So this is a small sample, two of the 25 pallets of food, groceries, and supplies that uh, we unloaded off of a giant semi-truck this morning. And the reason we have all this, it's actually all in 6058, is because this year, for the first time since I've been the pastor, we're not gonna be able to do share the love and the grub like we've always done, which is, for those of you who are new, uh, we would have you know somewhere around 250 people in this room with this amazing spread and this amazing meal, and we'd fellowship and we'd hang out, and your parents would come and they'd get to see what Excel is all about, and it was a wonderful, beautiful time. But with the situations that we're in with COVID, that's just not possible right now. And so I remember thinking months ago, I was really bummed out because I'm like, we keep canceling everything. Like, I don't want to have to cancel one more thing. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, why can't you still share the love and the grub? And so here's what we're going to do. Saturday, November 21st, which is not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, I need all of your help. And I'm recruiting all of you and people who even aren't here. We need as much as we can. We're going to dedicate two hours. We're going to be organizing these groceries over the next week. And we are going to hand out, we calculated when we add up everything in every grocery bag, we will have about 770 grocery bags available to give to families. Think about it. With COVID on the rise, with jobs getting shut down, with people being unable to work, Thanksgiving coming up. I mean, it might be Cheez-Its, but it's a snack for my kid. It might be Fruit Loops, Frosted Flakes, but how many know, yo, I can live on cereal for at least a couple of days. So we're going to do what God called us to do. We're going to take care of our community. I believe we're going to take care of over 500 people on that day. And we're going to do what God called us to do, which is share the love and the grub. And I don't want COVID or the enemy or anybody else stopping us from accomplishing the things that God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. So again, I need your help. And I'm going to talk about a little bit more in this message in case you're sitting there going, yeah, I don't know. I want to talk to you tonight about uh, some reality checks. Anybody ever had a reality check? Just anybody just check your life? Maybe you're watching something just checks your life. I had a reality check this week that just checked my life. And it's funny because I'm looking at the toilet paper, but I'll explain that in a second. Uh, this week, there was some plumbing issues in my house. And for a day and a half, they had to shut off all the water. I don't know if you've ever gone a day and a half without any water running through your house. But y'all don't realize how much you need water until you don't have water. You know how many times I put soap in my hands and realize I couldn't rinse it off? You realize your toilet don't flush if you don't have water? And so my toilet got full and it did not flush, hence the toilet paper I'm looking at. Dishes couldn't get washed. Cooking, I could barely cook because I need water for certain things, even just to wash my hands in between cooking and doing things. I had this giant pot of water that I filled up before they shut the water off, and I would just dip into my water supply whenever I did any little task that we needed to do around the house. And it was torture for just a day and a half, and I realized, wow, God, thank you that I have running water. How often do we just not even consider how easy it would be to not have water. And we've talked about this here at Excel. There are so many countries all over the world and part of what we do with Speed the Light and when we give to missionaries is to provide for clean water. And, you know, a lot of you this summer did a great opportunity and we raised, you know, over $7,000 for clean water initiatives. And I'm just thinking, thank God for water. Thank God for people who are willing to do some of these things, to step out of their comfort zone and, and be unselfish. 
Because here's the thing, and this is the reality check I think is important. Nobody likes to get checked, right? We like to check people. You ever seen somebody and you're like, man, I wish somebody checked them right now. Especially somebody younger. Like you ever watch those shows where they scare them straight and you're just loving it? You know, the guard is yelling at them or an inmate's yelling at them and you're like, yeah, that little kid is a stupid little punk. Like, you know, you're just like, get him. Like why? Because you know they're spoiled. It's usually some little suburban kid who's never really been through anything, who's acting super tough and pretend like they're all hard. And then suddenly they get in front of somebody real and it's like, yo, I am not as crazy as I thought I was. They got checked. And we love to see it. We might even like to do it. But when you're on the receiving end of a check, it's hard. It's even harder when you have to check yourself. I titled this message, Check Yourself. Because I think there's a few self areas in our lives that need to be checked. And here's kind of a couple of verses that I want to go off. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 8 says, these 12 Jesus sent out to the following instructions, or with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Let me pause right there. Look at the list of things they've been tasked to do. Right? It, it's not like what I'm telling you guys. Hey, Saturday come out and we're going to hand out Cheez-Its and toilet paper and Fruit Loops. Imagine if I said, hey, I need everybody to come out Saturday because we're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy or COVID, drive out demons. Yay! Could you imagine? None of y'all would show up. Maybe some of you could be like, yo, I want to see the demon thing. I want to see how that looks. Right? But this is the task that Jesus is sending them on. And he ends it with something that I think you and I really need to understand. Freely you have received, freely give. That phrase has been echoing in my heart for about two months. Freely you have received, now freely give. All of us are happy to receive, and I think we have a very hard time giving. And here's what I mean by that, because there's certain areas in our life that we happily receive and we horribly give. Think about it like this. We love to receive grace. Grace is that unmerited favor. Grace is that, you know, that second chance. We love for somebody to show us grace and mercy, to give us another opportunity to not treat us like we deserve. But we don't want to give grace. When somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them back. We love to receive forgiveness, but we don't want to forgive people. We love to receive love, to be given a compliment, to, be, to, to have people say things about us. But we're reluctant to take the time to say something nice about somebody else. When he says freely you received, what he's saying is it didn't cost you anything what you got. So be willing to give it. And I think part of why we only do half of that, because we love to freely receive, but we have an issue freely giving, is I think it has to do with selfishness. It's a pride issue. It's feeling like, why me? I don't need to. That's not my problem. That's not my issue. I don't, I don't have to do it. I earned this. This is mine. All right. I remember when my dad, uh, sometimes he would take me when I was younger out to go run errands with him. And, you know, I'd be spending all day with him. And then he'd have to feed me. So he'd go through McDonald's because we love McDonald's. And he'd pick me up some McDonald's, right? And I'd come home and I'd have like my little fries, my McDonald's. And any of you who got siblings, you know what I'm about to say. 
right? You like to show off. You're like, I got McDonald's. I got McDonald's. And my little sister, she'd go to my mom, Mom, tell her to give me some. I was like, I'm not giving you any. I'd breathe on her. Ah, smelled it fries. <laughs> and what would my mom say? She'd go, can I have one? Now, how am I not going to give my mom a fry, right? But y'all know what I know. She don't want the fry. She's going to give it to my sister. So she'd be like, can I have some fries? I'm like, no, you're going to give it to Jenny. No, I'm not. Let me get some fries. And I'm like, okay, because she said she wouldn't. And I, I give her the fries and in my face, hands them to my sister. <laughs> and I'm like, no, she has to suffer because she's my sister. <laughs> it's the law. <laughs> Listen, we love to receive. We have such a hard time giving. And again, pride is the biggest reason we don't give freely because we put ourselves before everything else. We look out for us. We look out for me. I got to take care of me first. I got to look out for me first. Paul was having this issue among some of the people in this church when he wrote a letter in 1 Corinthians. There was a lot of me issues going on. And so he addressed it and he asked three questions that just checked their life. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast like you did not? What makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you didn't get? And if you did get it, why are you acting like you didn't? Three questions that I think you and I need to explore when it comes to checking things. If you're taking notes, number one, I think all of us need to check our self-centeredness. Check our self-centeredness. Let me define self-centeredness. Self-centeredness means that you're concerned with the self as opposed to the greater good of one's group, community, or tribe. Ah, uh, Pastor Joey, I'd love to help you on Saturday, but uh, it's just, you know, like I got school all week and I got homework and I got to do stuff around the house and I'm just tired. Saturday, tired. Listen, it's not about you. It's about the community. It's about our tribe. It's about our people. It's about out there people who don't have the luxury that you have to sleep in on Saturday. It's people that are worried and wondering, am I going to be able to provide enough groceries for my family this week? It's about people who are hurting and struggling and wondering, not if we're going to have Thanksgiving, if we're going to have dinner. You have an opportunity to get out of your own self-centeredness and start doing something for somebody else. Guess what? Without getting anything in return. It's not like, hey, whoever comes, you know, I'm going to set off a raffle and give you a big prize. And I don't want to bait you into serving God. I don't want to pay you to do what God has called you to do. We need to get over thinking about just ourselves. That question, what makes you different from anyone else? Why are you special? Why are you better than them? Listen, sometimes it's just you're in a different situation, but it doesn't make you better or worse. You're not unique. You're not special in that sense. And I'm not saying that to be literally, I'm not like, oh, pastor said I'm not special. You're special, okay? You're great. But you're not unique in that. Listen, Luke chapter 18, verse nine through 14. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. So he told this story to people who thought really highly of themselves and looked down on everyone else. 
Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee or a religious leader, and the other was a despised tax collector. Nobody liked tax collectors in this one, right? They were like the scum of the earth. They were the worst of the worst. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. That guy. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Listen, when you're willing to lower yourself in order to lift somebody else up, God will exalt you. You don't have to brag about yourself because when you're that type of person, people brag about you. People mention who you are. Listen, so, so often we want to raise our value. We want to raise our, our attention, what people say about us, what people think about us. You know what? Stop worrying about what they think and start serving people. Start doing what God's called you to do, equipping you with what God's equipped. Listen, this doesn't cost you a dime. You're not spending any of your money. It's literally time and love and effort that I'm asking you to come out and help. That's it. Can you get over yourself long enough to say, you know what, maybe I'm willing to give up three, four hours of my day to see four or 500 families taken care of. Maybe I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone and my self-centered bubble to think about other people. Self-centered is the first thing, but the second thing is, is a little bit different if you look at the question, because I think the second thing we need to check is our self-reliance. The word self-reliance, uh, definition-wise, means a reliance on your own efforts or abilities. The question was, what do you have that you did not receive? And sometimes we think, this is mine. Uh, me and my wife, we were having this conversation with my daughter. Um, nothing is hers, right? This is the conversation we're having between ourselves about my daughter. Nothing is hers. We're going to give her some stuff for Christmas. It's not hers. It's ours. Everything is ours. Nothing is hers. Because we don't want her to start getting into that mentality. Mine, mine. No, 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 no. You didn't buy anything. You didn't make anything. Nothing's yours. Everything you have, the clothes on you, the stuff, the toys, the whatever, all that. Mommy and poppy's not yours. But we tend to have this mentality. You guys do it all the time, right? Why were you in my room? Nope, 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 nope. It's not your room. You didn't build it. You didn't pay for it. You don't cover the mortgage. You don't cover the gas. The, no, it's not your room. You don't even rent, right? Your parents have all the authority to do whatever. They, they could throw a party 100% in your room and invite all their friends and be like, yo, it's my room. You go sleep on the couch tonight and they can do it. They can jump on your bed. They can flip stuff up. They can do whatever they want because technically it's theirs. And we have this mentality that goes through everything, that all this is ours. Listen, what the Bible is saying is you don't have anything that wasn't given to you. Your life is not even your own. It was given to you. The clothes were given to you. Someone like, yeah, well, you know, I worked for it and I bought my own clothes. Uh-huh, and you afforded your clothes because you didn't have to pay for rent and mortgage and food and lights. You didn't have to pay for all those other things. You don't have anything that wasn't given to you. So it's important to understand, I can't feel like, well, I'm self-reliant, I'm self-sufficient, I, I take care of me. You can't even make your own heartbeat. 
You can't even control your blinking. Nothing you have, the life you live is by the grace of God and nothing else. God can snap his fingers and you're gone. I'm not saying that to to minimize you. I'm saying that to help you understand. Don't get so self-reliant that you stop relying on God. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12 through 14. Wealth and honor come from you alone. You rule over everything. Let me explain what's going on here. David has just finished putting everything together to build the temple. David was a rich king, right? He was, he was about to pass the throne onto his son and he gave away all his wealth to build God's church. He gave away all his money and then he looked at the leaders of Israel and said, who's willing to follow my example? And they gathered together literally tons of gold and silver and all these jewels to beautify and build up the kingdom of God, to erect this gorgeous temple, one of which no one has ever seen before. And then he says this as a prayer to God after he's collected everything. Wealth and honor come from you alone for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Right? Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Next one. But who am I? And who are my people? That we could give anything to you. Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. This is why we can't get so self-reliant that we're unwilling to serve God because whatever we have has been given to us by God. And if God asks for anything, who are you and I to say no? On top of it, what can we give God that wasn't already his? I gave him my life. I don't even have that. There is nothing I can give God that wasn't first given to me. And so when you understand that, and I'm talking about really understand that, whenever God asks anything from you, it's never a difficult answer. It's never a, uh, you think about in the Bible when uh, Abram and his son, his only son that that was promised, right? He had another son, but this is the, the promised son that would lead generations. It was a promise that God had given him for a long time and finally he had arrived. And then one day God says, hey, I need you to make a sacrifice and I want you to kill your son. If you read the story, Abram never bat an eye. Okay, Lord. And he walks up the mountain getting ready to sacrifice his son because he knew he, you gave him to me. If you want him back, he's yours. Can you have that much faith? to say, God, the life I have, I only have because you gave it to me. So any part of it that you want back, it's yours. And if God, all he wants is a couple hours on a Saturday to help serve, I'm yours, Lord. As long as my parents let me, I'm yours. Third thing I think is important for us to understand. Not only do we need to check our self-centeredness and check our self-reliance, you need to be willing to check your self-seeking. Self-seeking is being mindful of or promoting only one's own interest. When you're self-seeking, you're only ever thinking about yourself, about how you can gain something out of this, how, how you can progress, how this makes you better. And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Right? He's saying, why are you fronting and acting 
like you didn't get it? Why are you puffing yourself up like this was your own thing? Walking around. I used to have that all the time. I used to hate that in school because uh, I would get insecure. I don't know if you had that when you used to go to school. But in high school, I'd have people that would drive up in these really nice cars. Mind you, my freshman year, me and my best friend would drive to school in a car that was so crappy, you had to keep the windows rolled down in winter because it would overheat. We thought we were better than the bus people, but still we're sitting there freezing, pushing the car halfway down the road because it would break down all the time. And then this kid would pull up in this brand new year, you know, brand new year car. And he looked really flashy, looked really dope. And then I would think to myself, well, he didn't buy that. This is mom and dad's car. And they acted like they were rich. They acted like they had money. No, you don't. Your parents do. You have nothing. You're just as broke as I am and half as ugly. You don't have everything, right? And a lot of times we act like because, you know, we got these nice clothes, we got these nice things, like we're better than people. And God is saying, no, no, no. What you have was given to you. And why are you boasting like it wasn't? Listen, Matthew chapter six, verse one through four says, watch out. Don't do good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't uh, do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they'll ever get. But even when you give someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Think about it like this. How many TikTok videos have you seen where somebody is, is giving money to a homeless person or giving food to a homeless person or taking a homeless person and giving them a makeover and, and providing a haircut? And we're like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Man, that was dope. Except for the person who was receiving it. Because the person who was receiving the money and is now trending on TikTok, I'd be embarrassed that in my lowest moment, you capitalized on it for your fame. That in my lowest moment, in my most embarrassing time, while I'm living on the streets, I'm glad I built your profile. They didn't do it because they loved the person. They did it because they loved the attention. Listen, if you come and serve, don't do it so that you can get a pat on the back. Don't do it to please me or to please anybody else. Don't do it. And I swear, if I catch any of you like, hey, look at me, I'm giving Fruit Loops to somebody, I'll slap that phone out your hand. Don't do that. That's why the Bible says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. If you're gonna give, give. If you're gonna serve, serve. Don't do it for recognition. Don't do it for, for attention. Don't do it for likes. Do it for his love. Do it because God called you to do it and God enabled you to do it and God provided for you to do it. Listen, I, I cringe for myself. There's a lot of things that I can easily put on social media and brag and, and there's a lot of things I do to give honor to God, but I don't wanna show off because what do I have that wasn't given to me? Did we pay for all this? No, nah, it was given to us. Literally, it's free. We had a company, Convoy of Hope, that provided enough for us to give almost a thousand people worth of groceries. The forklift and the pallet jack that we rented, the alderman's office paid for half. We're going to be able to provide nearly 800 people with groceries, and it cost the church $250. And it cost you nothing. So why would I boast about that 
in and of myself. If I'm gonna boast, if I'm gonna brag, I'm gonna brag about the goodness of God. I'm gonna brag about how God provided for us an opportunity to serve people. I'm gonna brag about how God is the one who made all this happen and I'm gonna give him all the honor and all the glory. And I'm gonna fade into the background so he can come into the light. Listen to me. We don't do this to show off to people. We do this to show people God. My prayer is that when those people come through the drive-thru, they don't just see Cheez-Its and toilet paper and frosted flakes. They don't just see a bunch of teenagers laughing and giggling. They see the love of God and a group and a generation that everyone thinks is self-centered and self-seeking and self-righteous. And they see you being selfless. They see you honoring the Lord. They see you and look at their kids and go, why don't you do that? (laughs) They see what God sees in you. I wanna close with one more thing because I think this is important to understand and what I'm gonna show you is a little graphic and it's a little intense, but I want you to get my heart behind why I feel so strongly about serving our people and doing what God called us to do. There's this picture that came out in 1993. This picture shocked the world. This is a four or five-year-old Ethiopian girl At the time, her country was being war-torn. There was warlords that were uh, stealing food that was being donated and given. And she's crawling to a food donation area, very similar to what we'll have in the parking lot. And she is so hungry and so close to death that there is literally a vulture waiting for her to die. Shocked the world. The newspaper that ran the picture was inundated with phone calls and letters asking, well, what happened to the girl? Like we see the picture, we see the horror, we understand what's happening in the country, but we gotta know what happened to the girl. Well, the photographer who took the picture was a man named Kevin Carter. This picture was so powerful that it actually won Kevin Carter a Pulitzer Prize, which is the highest award a a photographer could receive. The newspaper eventually told everyone, we don't know what happened to him. You got to ask Kevin. And eventually they did. And Kevin's answer was even worse because Kevin said, I don't know what happened to her. You see, he actually stood there for 20 minutes waiting for the best shot, for the light to be right, for the angles to be appropriate, for everything to be framed good. He waited 20 minutes, he took the picture, and he walked away. He had enough compassion to capture a moment and change the world, but he didn't have enough love to capture a young girl and change a life. Two weeks later, Kevin Carter was so filled with grief that he killed himself. He didn't think about, I could have done something for her, but I chose not to. Now there was all different reasons. They were telling photographers and media not to touch people so they don't pass on disease, but come on. Would it have cost them that much to even bring the food to her, to get medical attention to her, to help people help her. Listen, I love 
the authority that you guys move in in this world. I love what social media is able to do, but if you think serving God is as simple as a repost, if you think helping our community, if you think blacking out on a Tuesday is enough to make a change in the world, if you think that just reposting something makes you something, then you're the same as the guy who took a picture and walked away. I'm giving you a chance to not just take a picture, but serve a person. This is why we do Speed the Light. This is why we do all the different giving opportunities we've done. This is why we did the World Serve stuff in the summer. This is why we're doing the Share the Love and the Grub now. This is why we did COVID testing. We did it because God has given us an opportunity to do it. We have to check our privilege and understand that privilege isn't a white thing. That just living here, we have an inane amount of privilege to do something, to serve people. And it would be horribly, horribly wrong if because we were self-seeking, self-centered, and self-absorbed, we refused to be selfless and allow God to move in our lives. That picture stays in my head and I've never forgotten it. It's always been on my heart. And I've preached on it a number of times years ago. I hope it stays in your heart as a reminder that just like the photographer, you're gonna have opportunities to do things. Don't say no because you're lazy. Don't say no because you're self-seeking. Don't say no because you're self-centered. Say yes because you can and let God deal with the rest. Stand with me. We're gonna get ready to pray. Worship. Actually, Kat, if you just by yourself can come up, that's all I need. I hope you don't feel like I'm trying to manipulate you or you know, guilt trip you into doing stuff. Because if that's your heart, then I don't need you to help me. God is gonna provide all the help we need. I'm saying all this because I have an obligation to you as your pastor to help you check in areas that we don't wanna necessarily check in on. All of us, including me, struggle with these selfish areas. All of us struggle with overcoming the desire to take care of just us. Especially when you live in a world where everybody seems to be taking care of themselves. But we serve a God who didn't think of himself, but thought of you and was willing to die on a cross for your life and mine. He thought of himself less so that we could have more. And I can think of no better way to honor that than to live a life that serves and honors others. This isn't a a Saturday, November 21st thing. This is a who you are thing. One of the things that I've always been willing to define myself with, I may not be the smartest, the brightest, the funniest, the most talented. There's a lot of things that I'm not. But one thing I've always tried to be is a servant. I've always tried to serve because You can't control a lot of the other things. You can't always control whether you're a good singer or not. You can't always control whether you're you're good in this area or you're good in that area. But you know what you can control? You can always control effort. You can always control your servantness. Each and every one of you can serve, even if it's a little thing. Listen, next week, we're gonna ask some of our small groups to help pack some of these things. It's a great opportunity to serve. And it's like, well, then I'm not going to come to small groups. (laughs) Okay. But you're going to miss a great, wonderful opportunity.
to become who God is calling you to become. I want you guys all to grow up to first and foremost be disciples of Jesus Christ, but to also be servants of the Lord because it's how we serve by the way we interact that people will know we're disciples of God. It's how we love people that they're gonna identify that. And the easiest way to show our love is to serve. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to look inside. Is there an area in your life where you're being selfish? Is there an area of your life where you're being self-centered, self-absorbed, self-reliant? Where you've allowed yourself to think you deserve something, that you're better than people. That you don't need to do the things that God has called you to do. Be honest with yourself. And in a moment, I'm gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to not only help point those areas out, but I'm gonna ask him to receive what we surrender to him. To give this over to God and say, God, I'm done, this is yours. Not only do I surrender this area, but I surrender myself. Lord, I'm your currency. Use me however you want. You're the potter, I'm the clay. I'm here to do whatever you ask. I give myself away so that you can use me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you begin to speak into the heart of every individual in this room? From the oldest to the youngest, God, beginning with me, Lord, help us point out those areas in our lives that we haven't fully surrendered. Those areas of laziness, those areas of conceit, those areas of selfishness. Lord, this isn't an easy word to hear. This isn't an easy thing to take in. And Father, I pray that we would all understand that this isn't a guilt trip. This isn't a place of hatred. This comes from a heart of love. So Lord, help us to be your servants. Help us to not do it begrudgingly, to not do it because everybody else is doing it, but to be willing to live a life that's worthy of the gospel, to serve you in whatever capacity you've asked us to, and to be everything you've asked us to be. And to do that, Lord, we need you to help us in these areas. We commit them to you, God. We surrender them to you, Lord. And we say, God, I'm yours. Have your way, have your will. Let it be done in Jesus' name so that we can honor you, love you, and love others. We thank you for this.